0: Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth. Here we go. All right. Bit of context before I read this Bible passage. As we've been going through the book of, uh, the story of David in the book of uh, 1 and 2 Samuel, uh, we've discovered that the first king of Israel, the first ever king was a man named Saul. And Saul was made king. He was a man who looked like he should be a king, yet in many ways he was uh, a flawed man. Saul had... Uh, quite a lot of children, some uh, he had um, with his wife and some to his concubine, uh, whose name was Rizpah. And he had four sons and two daughters to his wife, and then he had a couple of other sons to his, his concubine. One of his sons was named Jonathan. And Jonathan, uh, as he grew up, became very best friends with David. They had this incredibly close bond as as friends. Uh, one of uh, Saul's daughters, Michal, actually also married David. So there was these strong links in the, between the family of Saul and uh, and David himself. As Saul's family went on in time, many of them uh, did not end well. Uh, when Saul was uh, killed in battle, three of his sons were killed in battle. Uh, another one of his sons later on in the story be- gets made uh, king, um, but he gets killed by his own um. Uh, General, army generals, and then later on again in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 21, uh, two of his sons, five of his grandsons are also killed in another battle. And so few of his line uh, remain and survive. And so this story then picks up uh, speaking out of that context. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 9 David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? For Jonathan's sake. Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Zeba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Zeba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? Zeba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? the king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him bought from Lodabar, from the house of Micah, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honour. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that bego- belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, "What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me?" Then it's, then the king summoned Zeba Saul's steward and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth's grandson of your master will always eat at my table. And then he brackets, now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. It's not really that relevant, but anyway, it's in the Bible. Um, then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servants to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Mekah and all the members of Zeba's household were servants servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I want to pray that as we unpack this passage tonight, You would speak through Your Word, through Your Living Word, a Living God speaking through His Living Word by the Spirit. You would speak into the hearts of everyone who needs to hear this message tonight. That You would, that they would hear whatever You want to say to them. I pray that in Jesus' name, Amen. So I want to look at this passage from two directions. Firstly, as as we understand, look and study this passage, I want to I want us to see how in so many ways uh, this passage echoes the whole story of Scripture in that we, uh, our story echoes the story of Mephibosheth. It's so hard to say. I'm going to get stumbling over it. And uh, so I want to see how we see ourselves related to the story of Mephibosheth. But then the second angle that I want to look at is how uh, we actually need to stand in the place of David and actually be people who are showing compassion in our lives for the Mephibosheths of this world. There's two different ways I want to look at this. So let's get into this. I'm going to bring out uh, five little parts to this story. And the first part I want to do before I get to those five is just to look at this, this desire of David to show kindness and to bless. He is looking out saying, is there anyone still left from the house of Saul whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? It's interesting that if you actually study the history of kings, often when one king comes into power and displaces another king, then actually they want to find the family of the former king, but not to bless them, but actually just to take them out of the story, to wipe them out. That's a very typical thing. Yet David had this incredible loyalty to Saul and this great love for his friend Jonathan, and so he desires to show kindness and to bless and it's an interesting thing, like as we've studied David's life, uh, every week I feel like we see a different facet of why God said uh, that David is a man after his own heart. Why, why that we can study David's life and just see time and again there's all these different amazing facets of his life. Now, next week uh, I, I'm going to go on sabbatical and David's life's just going to become a complete shambles and a mess. Uh, hopefully that's not going to mirror what happens in the church. Um, but, um, so there's, David was also very flawed. We're gonna see his, his terrible flaws next week. But there's also these incredible qualities. And just the base quality that we see in this story is the desire to show kindness and the desire to bless. And that's just something that reflects the heart of God. And I feel like like I could stop the message now and just say, hey, just go out to live out your Christian life with a desire to show kindness and a desire to bless. And i just go to the closing prayer right now, and that'll be it. Go, go out and in your daily life, in the settings that you find yourself, go out with a desire to show kindness and to bless, because we have a world where so many people are not living that way. But anyway, I'll say a bit more in my sermon. Let's bring out these five points. The first is this. As we look at Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth was first of all, the story tells us, Crippled by a fall, the king asked, "Is there no one?" Verse three: "Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness?" Zeba answered the king, "There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame, or he is crippled in both feet." Now, sometimes we 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 find something out about someone, and we don't exactly know how this happened. In two, in the story of Samuel, um, we actually find out from two Samuel chapter four exactly why Mephibosheth ended up with a disability. It says in 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled. This is the story that Mephibosheth's father and grandfather had been killed in battle and in panic. His nurse picked him up and fled. But as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. And so we have this little insight into why Mephibosheth ended up with the disability that he had. Mephibosheth was, first of all, crippled by a fool. And if you want to kind of see how this story echoes the grand story of Scripture that affects all of us, is that actually the story revealed in the Bible is that all of us have been crippled by a fool. Or crippled by the fall. But when God made the creation, the creation and everything that God made was good. And then when God created people in His image, He said that it was very good. And God created people with this perfect relationship between uh, male and female, between people themselves, and between people and God—a beautiful, perfect relationship—and between people and the creation itself. What God created was good, but then. Sin enters the world as people turn away from God and reject him. And then the impact of that fall has echoed through every single generation that has followed in every area of life. Relationship with God has been affected by that. Relationship between people has been profoundly affected by that. And the relationship between people and the creation itself has been affected. We have been all crippled by a fall. But then it would be true to say that some people, in a more specific sense, have been crippled by a fall because some of you have been dropped. Mephibosheth was dropped, and what's interesting to note here, significant to note, is that he was dropped by the very person entrusted to his care. The very person entrusted to protect him was the person that dropped him. And some of us live our lives with wounds, with with, with with impact caused by being dropped. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about emotionally, relationally, dropped by those who should have carried us. Dropped by family, dropped within a close relationship, or even dropped, sadly, within a church. Places where there should have been care and love and protection, people found that they were harmed. And that is so painful because of the fact that it's the person that should have cared for you when that happens. It's it's that very fact that it's the very people that should have cared for you that have dropped you that causes such great pain. So, if that's you tonight, then this message, I want you, I guess you, to tune in and hear what's going to come in this story. But let me flip the focus here. We're kind of looking inward, there's also an outward look here. How many people in our community? have been crippled because they've been dropped, crippled because they've been hurt, crippled because somehow life has damaged them. How many people in our community, even in this kind of nice, comfortable, beautiful hills area that we live in, are actually isolated now and lonely and hurting and have got unresolved pain in their life, just like Mephibosheth. And it's interesting how Mephibosheth uh, when he is described, what the way he's described is there is still a son of Jonathan. This this person, Zeba, doesn't say, and his name is Mephibosheth. He just says, he is lame in both feet. It's almost as though that thing has become the divine, defining thing about his character. So let me go on with the story. The next thing to say is that Mephibosheth was found in a far country. Verse 4, where is he, the king answered, asked? And Ziba answered, he is at the house of Macchi, a son of Amiel in Lodabar. Now, Lodabar is a cool sounding name for a place. To me, it sounds like some sort of funky new wine bar uh, where I just want to hang out. That joke worked in the morning. And, uh, you know, I just want to go to Lodabar. It's just a really cool place. Anyway, don't worry, Um, I'll move on. But the name Lodabar is actually really significant. as they seek to understand that this, they they believe that the best way of understanding this name is it means place of no food, or place of no bread, or place of no pasture, which is all the same kind of thing, place of no food. And the other way some people understand it is place of no communication. The word is very similar, communication and food. And and so how interesting that the place he ends up, uh, this this child that would have grown up in Jerusalem. In the palace, ends up in this faraway place on the other side of the Jordan, in a wilderness area, in a barren place, a place of no bread, and the place of no uh, communication. Mephibosheth's story is so different than the prodigal story. The story of the prodigal son, many of us know, is about this son who, who sought to have his father's inheritance and then left and went to a faraway country and squandered his wealth. That was all his own choice. But Mephibosheth kind of ends there because of the things that have happened in his life that were out of his control. And he ends up far from God, far from his love, isolated from people and separated from God. You see, Jerusalem is not just where the palace is, it's where it's where the tabernacle is, it's where the presence of God is. It's the center of the Jewish faith and their religious life at this time. So he ends up separated from that and away. And as he's in that place and as I'm reading this story, I'm just reminded of Jesus' words which says, I am the bread of life and says, I am the living water. It says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy burden, and I'll give you rest. And what's interesting here in this story as we, as we read the next part is that it's not that, um, it's not that Mephibosheth comes to David and says, hey, can I hang out in the palace? It's that David sends someone out to meet Mephibosheth right where he is. You see, sometimes in church we pray, and and we pray this prayer very sincerely, and I think it's a good prayer, but we'll be gathering just before the service, and we'll pray something like, God, would you draw people in? Would you bring people into our service tonight? There might be people at home deciding whether to come or not. May you draw them in. And God, by His grace, sometimes draws in people just very randomly, But I actually feel that if we want to reach those who are isolated and hurting and broken, we cannot just expect that they're going to just come into our building. We need to actually go out and meet people where they're at. And we need to show compassion for those who are the most separated and the most apart and the most broken. Because the third thing that we see about Mephibosheth is that he considers himself worthless verse 8 What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me what a thing for someone to say about themselves what a thing to say David sends out his messenger saying come on come back to the to the to the palace and he brings him in and his words are why why would you even notice me i am worthless i am useless i have no value i am i see myself as being like a dead dog I think that's very, very sad. It it drills down to this question of identity. And it drills down to what I said earlier about the wounds in life that are powerful and deep. Because I don't think any baby is born and is raised to think I'm completely worthless. It only happens because of the wounds that come in life that lead someone to feel that way about themselves. And if that's you this morning, uh, this evening even, if that is you, then this is where the story just gets amazing. And this is where the Bible, uh, this story reminds us of the wider story that is revealed in scripture, the good news that's in the Old Testament, but the good news that's perfectly revealed in Jesus and is the whole story. And the good news is this, that just as Mephibosheth is sought by a king, you are sought by a king. Mephibosheth is sought by a king. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the lands that belong to your grandfather Saul. And you will always eat at my table. There's like a twin promise here. And the twin promise is firstly about restoration. I'm going to restore what is yours that has been taken away. I'm going to restore to you things that you should have had. That somehow life and the circumstances of life have led to be taken away from you. You're in a place of barrenness. But I'm actually going to restore you to you the lands that were originally yours. Our God is in the business of restoration. He is in the business of restoration. His greatest desire is to restore to us the things that are taken away. I'm not talking about land. I mean, scripture says, restore to me, or David later cries out, it's very interesting, Psalm 51, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And our God is the job, the God who restores joy. But secondly, It's about another kind of restoration, which is a restoration of relationship. This is the game changer. Come and eat at my table, David says. And it says that Mephibosheth ate at David's table, not like just one special ceremonial meal, but he kept eating there. It was like your place. You have a place now at my table, and you're going to have a place at my table for the rest of your life. And my sons are there, and you're going to eat together with my sons because I'm making you like family now. I think it's. Is that awesome? That he would reach out and do that for this for this broken, lost, and lonely man. And I've got to tell you, that is exactly what God's desire is to do for you. And that is what's revealed in the ministry of Jesus, who spent so much time going out to the people whose society said were, were were the wrong kind of crowd and the wrong people to hang out with. That they said Jesus Jesus must be a a drunkard and a glutton, and he was none of those things. But he spent so much time with the marginalised and the broken and the sinful that the Pharisees could not deal with it. They could not cope with it. And I wonder if we as Christians simply don't spend enough time getting out there with the broken and the marginalised and those who society says are worthless. But here's the thing. We have a God of mercy and grace, and he is seeking us out. You are sought by a king. You are sought by a king. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then David, let me tell you, David was a king who reigned for several decades, and he sought out this guy Mephibosheth. But the Bible reveals that there is a king, the king of kings, Jesus Christ, who reigns eternally, and he has been He is seeking you out because he wants to restore you into a relationship and a relationship that will last forever. And in Revelation, we see a glimpse of the beauty of that relationship. Eternal life, forever with God, through Jesus. You're sought by a king. And so coming out of all of that, uh, David brings Mephibosheth to the king's table. He is brought to the table. Verse 11, Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Verse 13, And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. I want to share this, that if you do know Jesus, then the call is on our lives to extend the compassion that he has shown us to others who have not experienced his great love. Mother Teresa said this, the least, the least of my brethren are the hungry and the lonely, but not only for food, but for the word of God. The thirsty and the ignorant, but not only for water, but also for knowledge, peace, truth, justice, and love. The naked and the unloved, but not only for clothes, but also for human dignity. The unwanted, the unborn child, the racially discriminated against, the homeless and the abandoned, but not only for a shelter made of bricks, but for a heart that understands, that covers, that loves the sick, the dying, the destitute and the captives, not only in body, but also in mind and in spirit. You see, the compassion that we are called to show is all-encompassing. It's not just like we're trying to save people, those spiritual compassion for people that we would share the gospel of Jesus is absolutely at the core of our call. But it's also not just about meeting people's practical needs, but it is about that. It's also not just about emotional needs, but it is about, it's the whole thing. It's to show compassion wherever there is brokenness, that people might experience the fullness of healing that comes from knowing Jesus. So the question I want to finish with for most of us is, do we have eyes to see the needs that are around us, and do we have time to give them? There's a wonderful story Jesus tells about where um, someone comes to him who's blind, and um, uh, Jesus uh, kind of spits into the ground and, and wipes his fingers in the dirt, and then he takes it and he places it on the guy's eyes, and he opens his eyes and he can see. And I just wonder whether in some way we need to have our eyes open to see the need for compassion that's all around us. Because I know how easy it is to have the blinkers on. You're going from one thing to the next, you've got a busy life, you've got to be here, you've got to be there, you've got stuff to do, people to see, things to do. You put on the blinkers and you don't see the But how powerful would it be if a church discovered this call that we should stand in the place of David and in fact of Jesus and be a people who show compassion to the broken, to the marginalized, and those I want to finish this message by praying. I want to pray for anyone here who's never received Jesus' compassion. It doesn't take much to receive Jesus' compassion. Just saying, Jesus, please restore me. Please reconcile me in relationship with you. And I want to know you more. And if that's you, then all that takes is a prayer tonight. But I also want to pray for those of us who know Jesus that we would have eyes to see and hearts that are open and courage to extend the compassion of Jesus to others. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this amazing story about a young man called Mephibosheth who was crippled, who was found in a far-off place, who was brought back into the presence of the King, who was called and given this incredible blessing to eat at the king's table. Lord, I want to pray for anyone who is far off from you, that they would know that you're not that far from them, that you reach out in your love and compassion and desire to be in relationship, and that through Jesus you have made a way for that to be possible. And so I pray for anyone here, that you would simply just pray a prayer that says, Jesus, I pray that you would show me compassion. And that you would bring reconciliation between myself and you, God. That simple prayer is very powerful, and God will hear that prayer and answer it. And I pray for those of us who know Jesus and are following him that we would be so convicted of this incredible compassion that David showed to Mephibosheth and that Jesus showed to so many, and that same compassion he calls us to extend to others, that we would have our eyes open and that we would have courage state take steps of action to extend the love of Jesus way beyond these walls, way beyond this community and to, that we would see and respond to the needs that are in our world among so many people like that in Jesus name. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church to find out more or to hear other great content. Find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.